Well, hey, Bible love. So glad to be with y'all today. I have been thinking a lot about um, parishes and churches, and I think we're going to talk about that a little bit today and how the Bible works in those places. So I got out my trusty Book of Common Prayer and thought we would pray the prayer for the parish, which is on page 817 of the Book of Common Prayer. So the Lord be with you. No, also with you. Almighty and ever-living God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, hear our prayers for all parish families. Strengthen the faithful, arouse the careless, restore the penitent, grant us all things necessary for our common life. And bring us all to be of one heart and mind within your holy church. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So we are back, and this is one of those weeks between books of the Bible where we bring in someone and just talk about the Bible, what it means to us, how it shapes our life, how it shapes our community. So joining us today is the Reverend Gary Eichelberger, who is rector of St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Greenville, South Carolina. He is a native of, I just found out today, Greenwood, where Mary Balfour is um, a rector and I knew Gary in can my I, time. Can I interrupt you one second? So yeah. I'm actually from 96, which is oh, a right. little town outside yeah. of Greenwood. And we, we I always like to be sorry. No, no, this is important. South Carolina has like really <laughs> weird town names. Do you know where 96 comes from? Because I tried to figure that out. Yeah. Tell us. So I could go into I can go into a long discourse on this, but, but we'll, we'll keep it short. Um, so 96, many believe it got its name because it's 96 miles from the Indian village of Kiwi. And I could go on for a little longer, but I'll, I'll we'll take, that. take that. But you did grow up in the First Presbyterian Church of Greenwood, South Carolina. I did. Uh, I did. So. And your family is still very much a, pres- a presence in the Greenwood community and they're lovely, lovely people. And so glad to have you, Gary. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Well, Gary, before we get into specific Bible talk. Tell us a little bit about the parish that you serve in the Diocese of Upper South Carolina. Tell us a little bit about St. Andrews. What kind of parish is it? Okay. So I've been at St. Andrews for six years. Uh, Actually, I think yesterday was the six-year anniversary of my arriving at St. Andrews. And it is um, a small church. Um, I think we have approximately 250 members um, and we're located on South Main Street in downtown Greenville. The um, church uh, has really been, I would say, for the last 30 to 40 years, defined by uh, three uh, characteristics. And uh, there are th- three things that, that were um, an important part of me coming to St. Andrews. So one is that um, it is... Uh, it's worship style. So it is an Anglo-Catholic parish, which um, can be confusing to people sometimes because you hear Anglican and you think maybe that's um, a church that has broken off from the Episcopal Church, which actually 
as we all know, the Episcopal Church is Anglican, but uh, and part of the Anglican Communion. But Anglo-Catholic is a reference to worship style and to some extent um, kind of uh, 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 social activism. Um, and uh, so um, high church, spells and bells, um, and, uh, and, and then um, uh, chanted liturgy, uh, eastward, east-facing um, altar. And uh, I can go into more about the, the beauty and the majesty of Anglo-Catholic worship, but that uh, is, I was really introduced to the Episcopal Church in a, in a church that had uh, very similar worship. And, and so I initially thought that that was how all Episcopalians worshiped, um, although I've, I've encountered others uh, since then. Um, and then uh, the second thing is um, that uh, St. Andrews for many years was located in a poorer part of, of Greenville, um, and a part where there were more uh, disadvantaged folks uh, economically around us. And so it has always had a strong outreach component. Um, and uh, Project Host Food uh, Soup Kitchen uh, started here at St. Andrews and kind of outgrew this space. And then for many years, uh, we've continued to have um, Saturday morning hot breakfast uh, served at the church out of our parish hall through a ministry called Feed Thy Neighbor. And, um, and that's a collaboration between, uh, St. Andrews, St. Peter's, St. James, and Christ Church in Greenville. Uh, that, but it all always takes place at St. Andrews because we've always been closest to those who are hungry, um, as, as far as the Episcopal churches are concerned in, in Greenville. And, um, the third aspect is that St. Andrews is an affirming parish and has been for, um, I would say, at least 30 years. Um, we have uh, couples here uh, uh, who have been together for decades and have been a part of um, St. Andrews uh, worship life and, and in leadership roles here um, for decades who are gay and um, committed to one another and some who are gay and single, and you know, there's just uh, a lot of ways in which we see the fullness of, um, of the beauty of God's people in this space uh, that you may not get to see in some other parishes just because of the, the historical patterns of the church. Um, but uh, what, what I like to tell people about that is um, if you have a question about how God's love is revealed in uh, relationships between uh, that are same-sex uh, relationships, then just come here because we have been living that um, for decades. And it's not uh, anything that is noteworthy on any particular Sunday at St. Andrews. It's just a part of who we are and, uh, and how we understand God's love and, 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 uh, and God's kingdom. So those are three things. I think, there's a fourth thing that is new to St. Andrews, which is that the area around St. Andrews is gentrifying. And so there's a, a lot of change in that um, uh, hotels and apartments and breweries and restaurants and all kinds of things are getting built all the time all around us in the minor league ballparks across the street and such. So that definitely is, is changing um, maybe our proximity to poverty, um, but not our our uh, passion for uh, encountering it and, and seeking to do God's justice. So, 
It's awesome. I love learning more about St. Andrews. Um, and I, I, I think I, I've always known that it was Anglo-Catholic and very social justice minded, but I don't think I really realized um, the amount of outreach and missional work that um, that y'all do. And that really leads us to the question about the Bible. I mean, it's all Jesus talks about this all the time, you know, about being with the people that need more than we have, you know, to give and to be with the hungry, to be with the poor, to be with the widowed. And I mean, it feels like St. Andrews is really taking Jesus's words, the Bible's word, what the Bible says to heart. I mean, right. it's what I hear. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I grew up in the, in the Southeast in the small town, South Carolina. Um, and so I have, uh, a life with the Bible that is shaped by that history um, and growing as I grew into greater understanding of, of the focus of Jesus's ministry and words. And so um, I think that, you know, when we, I, when I was in, uh, so uh, I did a joint degree in law and theology before I became a priest. And, and when I was in that program at Duke, um, I had a professor, Stanley Hauerwas, um, who was a big influence on me. And, and, and a lot of what he had to say was, a, was about how if we really took the, you know, uh, the words of the Bible, especially Jesus's words seriously, then it, it's not going to make us very comfortable with anything about, uh, the culture in which we live. It's always going to put us, um, uh, in tension with that culture. And, and so, and that really gets to issues of, of violence, issues of economics, and issues of exclusion. Um, and so I think those are all areas where we seek to, to live out the gospel at St. Andrews, being a place that, that welcomes the outcast, that welcomes the hungry, um, and that seeks to do so uh, in, uh, in demonstration of God's nonviolent reconciling love. So, Yeah. I think that image of, I think the phrase you used was proximity to poverty, right? Like that, a lot of Jesus' commands can be summed up as that. It's like, put yourself in a position where you can be neighbors with folks that the rest of the world might say you shouldn't be neighbors with. And just by virtue of your location, was, you know, way back when, was St. Andrews placed in an area like that? Or did the neighborhood deteriorate around St. Andrews? Do you know about the genesis of, of the parish? Yeah. So as with many things with, uh, with history, we have, you know, kind of simple stories that we, we learn. And the, the simple story that I understand about St. Andrews is that, uh, back in 1900, um, Alexander Mitchell was the rector at, uh, at Christ Church. And he began to notice that some of the uh, families that lived on the other side of the Reedy River from, um, from Christ Church, which is you know downtown on the other side of the Reedy River from us, uh, we're having a hard time getting to church certain times of year, especially when the river was up. And so they um, decided to build a, a, a to to start a mission on the other side of the Reedy River. Um, he later was involved in starting other churches in um, in uh, Greenville. Uh, I think St. James. Um, uh, I, I can't, I can't remember all of them that, that he was involved with, but, um, but so that it started in that context. Uh, there also, if you, um, 
quite the history of Marine, but I won't get into too much detail of it. But but not far from us for many years was uh, was Furman University, um, and and uh, and there was a church just on the other side of the parking lot from us that was uh, a Baptist church, um, uh, Pendleton Street Baptist Church, and um, that was where all the Furman uh, people went back in that day. Uh, and then Furman moved out to Traveler's Rest, and a lot of other you know, kind of economic changes were happening in, in uh, Greenville such that this neighborhood began to decline. And I think that was probably in the 50s and 60s and even maybe more pronounced into the 70s. Um, and uh, and so that's the, the context of, of the poverty here. I think it, it was not um, initially placed here but as, a, as an outreach uh, in, that, in that regard. But, but that developed and um and, you know, I hear stories that people tell about how how dangerous it used to be to come to St. Andrews. Um, and, um, and I, you know, it's, it's always a challenge to know the truth of, of that. But it, but it uh, certainly the character of the community has changed, especially even in the last six years that I've been here. Uh, so, Gary, you know, there's there's some part of me that feels like a little jealous of you and St. Andrews in the fact that, like, you clearly know who you are. And I think sometimes some parishes don't like, I feel like my church, my parish, we know who we are, but there's a lot of middle ground in that. Right. And so sometimes when I'm preaching, you know, I get worried, Oh, I'm going to offend somebody or I'm going to say something wrong politically or, you know, all those things. And there's something really refreshing about St. Andrews. Like this is exactly who we are and we can preach we can teach, we can learn from these Bible stories in a way that we know who we are. And so, I, I don't know, I just was sitting here thinking, I wish I could sit here and say resurrection was all those things, you know, and we, we try to be, but we're, we don't have that full definition. And I don't know how Alan feels about St. Martin's, but um, that I, I love that. And so I would assume when you're thinking about preaching and teaching, your lens of looking at the Bible, like you can look at it in a way that is very affirming, that is very, you know, open, that is very justice minded. Do you feel that way when you're thinking about teaching and preaching? Yeah, I think, you know, so we all have things that are, are challenges when we preach. Right. Um, And uh, for example, um, several weeks ago, I preached on, uh, Old Testament passage because it included the uh, phrase "Your incense is an abomination to me," right? Mm-hmm. And at St. Andrews, we have incense every Sunday, and so I felt like um, as as the smoke oh, was was wafting through uh, the rafters, we we needed to at least uh, address address that. Um, and, and and you know, I think um, that particular passage is saying that when your uh, worship just becomes for form as opposed to something that inspires you to go out into the world and show God's love to the world, then your incense, your worship has become an abomination. Um, And, um, and so, you know, that is uh, something that we have to be aware of is that we love our worship style. And so we have to be, um, cognizant that we don't create a God out of the style of our worship. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I appreciate you. 
I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, this, I think this might be my third time I've referenced this, but when we had my dad on, he said, I fell in love with the church before I fell in love with Jesus. And I think that can right. happen a lot, especially yeah. in a worship style that like yours, it's Anglo Catholic, like that, that doing it, that, that very high church feeling like that can be what it's about instead of some other aspects. Um, and, I thank God that I serve a parish and the other side of it, that like the, the worship is not the end all be all. And certainly my sermon is not the end all be all. Um, I think it's their community and their time together. Cause I would feel way too much pressure, <laughs> right. you know, for them to fulfill something in them. Um, you mentioned this a little bit earlier. You grew up in Greenwood in the Presbyterian church. So tell us like a little bit more about how the Bible sort of, affects you on your on a daily basis um sounds like you're kind of like me you didn't grow up doing bible drills like alan did um and so how is how has your relationship with the bible changed over the years and as you've grown deeper in your relationship with jesus yeah so um i grew up going to first presbyterian in, in greenwood south carolina and uh my parents and my brother and his wife and their children still go there and i from time to time i'm there for a baptism or other, you know, special occasion. Uh, and I continue to love that church and it played an important role in, uh, in my formation. I think, you know, the, the first memory I have is, uh, you know, with respect to the Bible is, um, it's just learning the stories of mainly the stories of the old Testament in Sunday school and, uh, being fascinated uh, by those stories and, um, and, and trying to, you know, understand how those stories related uh, to my life and, and my walk. Um, I have a, I think there's also a point in your life. If you're, if you're in church and you're a part of a community where being Christian is um, important, that you, you reach a point in your life where you begin to realize the power of uh, the way in which the Bible can maybe be misused. Right. So, either by yourself or by others. Um, a, a funny story maybe uh, that I have. So when I was in eighth grade, um, I went to boarding school for you in Massachusetts. And I was one of the few kind of deep South people at that school. And uh, I had my, I had my Bible there. It was part of my identity and it was, it would usually was sitting on my desk, you know, not claiming that I read it a whole lot as an eighth grader, but it was there and, I would look at it from time to time. And I remember there being a situation in the hall right outside of my room where a, um, another student, uh, started a fight with me. I mean, uh, and, and actually hit me. And, uh, and I, I knew that he was bigger than me and that, um, that I was not going to win that fight in any physical way. Um, and I remember looking into my, uh, my dorm room and seeing my Bible sitting right there. And I reached my hand inside there because there was a few people standing around. So I had, I was, you know, it's a possibility that I was going to look like a coward, right? If I didn't do anything. And I picked up the Bible and I said, you know, this, this teaches me that I'm to turn the other cheek. Um, and, and the, everybody kind of stood back and, and then, you know, he, it, it, uh, changed dynamic in that moment. Now, Stanley Harawas might say that was a creative nonviolent response. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually was just me, 
using the Bible uh, as, as a means to justify my cowardice in that particular moment. <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I thought that is, greater would do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And maybe I, not cowardice, maybe my realistic appraisal of, you know, what was going to happen if I, if I did anything else in that. In that moment. Maybe because you didn't want a black eye. I mean, yeah, yeah just, <laughs> I didn't, I was not looking for pain. I was, I was not in search of pain. In that yeah. Moment. So in, in my background as a good Lutheran, right, the scripture is, um, in three parts, it's a curb, a rule, and a mirror, right? It guides us in the way of our life. It's a rule. It helps us measure. It's also a mirror. It, it tells us something about ourselves. I think in that moment, you were using the Bible as, as a mirror to tell you that this is probably something you needed to get out of. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you can cherry pick verses out of scripture to avoid right. getting beat up. No. So. Well, so you kind of talked about this just a little bit, but, you know, people kind of take the Bible and use it as a weapon. I don't think that's what you were doing in the eighth grade, but you mentioned that. Um, and a few weeks I was ago. using it as a shield, actually. As a shield. As a yeah, so you're like, don't hit me. Right. Um, right. <laughs> a few weeks ago, um, Alan and I had this conversation about something in Ezra. We actually had it yesterday, but it will come out a few weeks from now. Um, and... Um, you know, I, and I would imagine at St. Andrews, this is something that you've dealt with. Um, being an affirming church and being a parish that, um, you know, takes that very, very seriously. I mean, it's one of the top three things about you that you mentioned, which I love. Um, I'm sure there has been some hate and some, you know, the Bible says this or that, you know, people interpreting it in the wrong way. Have you had any kind of experience like that that you're willing to share or, um I hope people don't do that, but I, I'm not right. I'm so like not blind to the fact that I, I think it happens all the time and not just in with gay people, with mixed marriages, with, you know, whatever it may be political. I mean, people just love to take it, the Bible and make it feel what they want it to feel like for them. What makes yeah. them, feel good, you know, so just curious about that. Yeah. So, um, I, um, I, I went to college in Greenville in the early 90s, and um, I have vague recollections of um, of St. Andrews uh, being known as the gay church mm-hmm. in Greenville. Um, and um, I think there was a time in our history uh, where this church was a place of refuge. Um, it's a place where people could go and they could... Um, live out the fullness of their humanity uh, and, and their uh, creatureliness and, and be together uh, and, and know that they were going to be loved and, um, and accepted and welcomed. Um, and, uh, and so that was a, maybe in some ways a more defining aspect of the church during that time, because thankfully, um, although there is still uh, a long way to go in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, there are many other churches that are affirming now. And so we are not as needed as a place of refuge with respect to gay couples or gay people. Now there are other, you know, um, ways in which people are excluded and outcast that, that, um, you know, that we can continue to uh, gain deeper understanding of and, and try to 
make sure that we're always a place that is um, widening the circle, that is expanding the welcome. And um, so, but I also will say there, there are other aspects. I mean, so we are still, um, uh, for the most part, Southern white people, right? Uh, we, we do have some diversity in our parish, but, but, but because of that, uh, we still have work to do on our own um, uh, histories and prejudices. Um, they're also within Anglo-Catholicism has been uh, at least traditionally less um, acceptance of female ordination. Um, and now St. Andrews has a wonderful recent history of sending three different women to seminary who are now priests in, in the, um, in the Episcopal church. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, that is, that is an, a wonderful thing that we have as far as our, our identity and witness, but it, there's still, I think, you know, there's, there's some folks who are less, um, uh, accepting of female ordination. And, um, and so one of the things that I try to do is as, as often as I can, when, if I'm not going to be uh, here, you know, if I'm away for a Sunday is to try to have a female priest, um, um, be the supply priest so that, so that folks are, are seeing that embodied, not merely to overcome the prejudice, uh, but also to, so that, um, my daughters and other uh, young women in the church can see that possibility uh, embodied. Uh, um, so anyway, I, I may have gotten off a tangent there. Um, well, no, I'm, just so, um, I'm so grateful for a place like St. Andrews, a refuge in, in lots right. of ways, like you were talking about. And, and, and I appreciate you sharing, you know, that, it's not perfect either. I mean, what place is, yeah. you know? Um, but I, I love that, you know, your identity and you know who you are. And a lot of people can't yeah. say that, you know? Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And um grateful for that. What else should we know about St. Andrews or you as a person, Gary, in the Bible, your favorite, your favorite thing? Do you, do you do that every day? Do you read it every day? Do you do morning prayer? What do you do? So um, I don't get to do morning prayer every day, but I love doing morning prayer. Um, and it's on my calendar every day. Um, I love that. And, uh, and I love uh, making my way through the books of the Bible um, through morning prayer. I love uh, studying the Bible as I prepare sermons. And um, I love uh, focusing on uh, a book of the Bible for a period of time uh, to study so that it's not just about me reading the Bible when I need to prepare, um, for a sermon, but, um, and then we have, so, you know, prior to the pandemic, you know, it's just, it's the beginning of many sentences, I guess, in the, in, in the church. Um, we had a, uh, a regular Sunday school that I would lead that was usually at the old Testament lectionary kind of, uh, doing the old Testament lectionary to focus on that. Um, and I'd love to get back to that at, at some point. Uh, one of the other goals uh, that I have for the church here is a, is, is establishing a, a weekly Bible study with parishioners, which we, we don't currently have that going on during the week. Uh, but um, the um, um, 
I think that I, so my approach to reading the Bible, I, I was thinking about um, maybe a more th- uh, a, a deeper answer to your question. Um, and, and it impacts the way in which we read the Bible, I think, here at St. Andrews. Is that, um, it, you know, so I think that all Christians, like we, we are, we are to read the Bible, uh, Christocentrically, right? So we read it with Christ as, and Christ's life and Christ's death and resurrection as the interpretive lens, uh, through which we understand the Bible. And so when we look at things in the Bible that challenge, uh, our faith, then uh, I think it's always helpful to start uh, and start with the, to the extent that we can uh, to look at that through the eyes of Christ and through and through through the lens of the witness of Christ's life and uh, death and resurrection, and so um, that helps us to see maybe what what the, the to draw out the gifts in uh, in in Scripture that that we find challenging. Um, so I love that. It's beautiful and and true, you know, as our friend, Dr. Tony says, thank goodness we're on the other side of Jesus, you know, and that's what's been sort of the challenge for us or Bible love, right? Alan, we're still in the old Testament. So we're like not getting to, to think about it in that way, but we keep bringing that back because that's who we are. As you said, I mean, we're Christians. We think about it through the eyes of Christ, but those folks, they, they didn't have that luxury, you know, and um, so it makes me even like more grateful for right. our identity of who we are um, through the eyes of Christ. So, Gary, thank you for sharing about St. Andrews and about you and um, your just experience with the Bible and who you are as a priest and as a parish and all those great things. We're really grateful for that. I learned a lot today about St. Andrews and I'm super grateful for a parish like St. Andrews. We need more of them in the world. So listeners. Can I I, um, share with you um, my favorite Bible verses? Yes. Oh, I should have asked you. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was trying to get to that in in the answer to the last question. I didn't quite get there, but um, so um, it is uh, first John. 316, so not John 316, but 1 John 316 through 18. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How can anyone who has, how can God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother and sister in need, but does not help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and in action. The perfect way to end it. Remember, we love you, but most importantly, God does.